Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Fanny Snaith in today's show. So a massive welcome to you, Fanny, and thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. I'm really happy that you've asked me. Fanny is a certified money coach and committed to helping people better understand the meaning and purpose of money. So mm. Fanny, please share with us your fascinating story and how you help others through your money coaching service. Okay, well... I decided to become a money coach about five years ago now. And what happened was I had my midlife crisis, I guess. had my 50th birthday and I was in a job that I'd been doing for 13 years, which was okay. And it served me really, really well when I was bringing up the children because I was able to work from home. I've been working, I've been working from home for the last 20 years. And I just got to a point where I thought I need to do something different in my life. And I thought, well, what shall I do? And I actually went and spoke to a, a career coach called Louise Jenner. And we, I, she said, well, what are you interested in? And I said, well, I've, I've always, been, always been interested in money. And she said, well, why don't you become a money coach? I was going, what's one, what's one of those? Anyway, I, start, I went away on holiday and read a couple of books. And it was at that point then that I started to realise my, my whole life came in front of me when I suddenly thought, do you know what? Money has been a running theme throughout the whole of my life, which is weird. So the, the backstory is, is that my mum was married and divorced three times by the time I was 12. And each one of those marriages was based on money. And my mum was, came from a very wealthy family and she inherited a lot of money. Yeah. My dad came from more humble beginnings. And when she inherited that money, they just couldn't get on. It just, they just, it, there was a mismatch. Because yeah. he was one of these people that we used to give him the, the name, his middle name was perfectly adequate. Because he'd be <laughs> the sort of person that would have holes in his trousers, a couple of knots in his shoelaces, etc. You know, don't get me wrong, he earned good money, but he just, everything was like, well, it's perfectly adequate. So he used to write everything down, and mum was a spender. So anyway, so that didn't work. Then she moved on to her second husband, and he, I'm not going to go into detail, but he wasn't a very nice guy, and it wasn't a great atmosphere in the house. So she decided to pack my sister and I off to boarding school. She'd gone to boarding school when she was seven. I was seven, and she thought that the best idea would be to pack us off to boarding school. So we went there. And the interesting part of it was, is we left our very beautiful house on the Isle of Wight, which is where we lived. And the minute that we walked, we, we crossed the threshold of the boarding school, we became the paupers because the people there were really proper, proper rich. Yeah, 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 like yeah. I had a Gucci in my dormitory and Sarah <laughs> Ferguson was my head girl. And all that really? Thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we spent three years there 
as the, as the paupers, really. And then mum got rid of that husband whilst we were at boarding school and ended up marrying her bank manager. And she said to her, she said, darlings, everything's going to be fine. I'm marrying the bank manager, so we won't have to worry about money. Because even though she had a lot of money, it was going down quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. She liked to spend. She said, everything will be okay. So that was fine. Unfortunately, though, a year into the marriage, he fell foul to blackmail. And he basically gave away all of our money and all of his mother's money to an East End gangster. And we were left with 76 quid. So overnight we came, and obviously the marriage failed and he had a nervous breakdown. Mum was left with sort of three, his three kids and me, my two sisters. And it was just all a bit of a disaster really. So came out of boarding school very swiftly. I skipped a year of school rather than going into primary school. I went straight to the secondary school. So I was young, got to secondary school and thought, this is awful. Joined the free school meals queue. So you can imagine just the change of everything. Damp cottage. Don't get me wrong. I was really grateful, but it was so different from what we'd had before. Went to the comprehensive school, joined the free school meals queue, and they put us on separate sides of the room then. They had the paid people on that side and the free school meals people on that side. I had that, the same conversation with somebody recently, and we were exactly the same. My story isn't much different to you, in, in as much as that. My mum divorced twice and, and married a third time, and every time, shall we say, come to an end, mostly down to money. Right. And yes, we, as children, I've got a brother and sister, we had to have free school meals. And the way we had it, similar to yours, we had to queue up for our free meal tickets on a Monday morning in school. And then we had to wait in a queue until everybody else had been served. Yeah. I don't think they did that with us. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was a bit weird. It was, I mean, it was just horrible. Because the thing was, is that we joined there. Nobody knew who we were. Well, nobody knew who I was because I hadn't been to primary school. And everybody sort of heard that we come from boarding school. So they'd look at us like we were the rich kids. Yeah. But we didn't have a bean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, I remember standing in that free school meals queue. Yeah. I was taller than anybody else in what we called the first year then, because he's seven now, but we had a first year. And I remember standing there from the anger and the frustration and just the sadness, all kinds of emotions. And I remember vowing to myself that day that I would never be beholden to anybody for money ever again, and that I would become a millionaire. Isn't it strange where that type of event we say our experience in uh, our very young years has such a dramatic impact on our future outlook on life and what we do further down the line well yeah so i mean yeah i mean that absolutely totally totally and i mean we'll probably talk about this in a minute but i mean the ages are between zero or actually even before you're born to about seven yeah are the years where your financial blueprint is and actually your blueprint for life is pretty much and you know we just take everything that's said to us when we're very young we take it as truth and why wouldn't we 
you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Our, our parents are our role models. We see what we see on the television. You know, we listen to what teachers tell us. and We listen to all those languages and all those messages and they become true. Yeah. So anyway, my journey continued and I became, I think, in the, if I was to use the Money Coaching Institute's terminology, I became a warrior tyrant in, in, with my money. So I became very action-driven, very like, I'm going to save 10% of everything that I earn. I'm going to be putting money away. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be managing it. And I started very, very young. I had some ups and downs, but I started, you know, literally looking after my money very respectfully, which of course, I suppose I wouldn't. I have my stepfather and my mum to thank for that because actually that prompted me to, to move in that direction but I also started I guess hoarding money I became a bit secretive about it a bit controlling a bit manipulative yeah. manipulative etc and married a man who had absolutely no interest in money whatsoever which of course that was what I was going to do because I was never going to be beholden to anybody else yeah. so I was only going to be the one holding the reins there's part of the tyranny there. And then when we finally managed to get to the seventh digit of the net worth, for whatever that means, I said, I remember saying to Neil, I said to him, Neil, we've done it. And it's like, that seems to be my goal. Got to get to the seventh digit on the net worth. That was all I cared about. I said, Neil, we've done it. And he looked at me and he said, well, it hasn't got anything to do with me, has it? And I was like, oh my God. And there were no flags, no bells, no whistles, nothing, absolutely nothing happened. And it meant nothing. And it was almost like I was adrift yeah. then because I didn't know what to do next. I'd had this goal and it was going to change everything for me and nothing, nothing happened. How old were you at this stage? It was about, that particular time was probably about, I think it was about 2013, 2014. Okay. So it was all leading up to this yeah. and actually my husband and I at that time realized that our relationship well I didn't realize that I didn't call it our relationship with money because I didn't even know that we had a relationship yeah. with money really hadn't been introduced to that terminology but I suddenly realized that our marriage wasn't all it was cracked up to be it was a bit you know not dodgy but it was certainly wasn't there weren't hearts and flowers really right, yeah. and then coming up to my 50th birthday as well everything started to sort of go on. And then I, somebody said, be a money coach. I believed then that being a money coach was just sitting people down in front of spreadsheets, right? I'd invented this thing called a money map, which was an all singing, all dancing spreadsheet that was able to house the whole of your financial life. Yeah. And I just said, well, all I've got to do is just give that to people and teach them how to do it. And that's what I did. But what happened was they either cried or they just missed it over. And it then struck me, that actually these people were clever and had they have wanted to manage their money or felt thought that they were able to do so, they would have just done it on their own accord. Yeah. So coming to see me, they wanted more than just a maths lesson basically, or just a financial literacy lesson. Yeah. And it was then that I, I started looking around for looking at the psychology of money and thinking about, you know, well, what is it? What's the matter with these people? Why aren't they looking? Why aren't they able to do it? So I then came across, the Money Coaching Institute yeah. and Deborah Price signed up for the Money Coaching. I've been doing quite a lot of other spiritual work at the same time, but I hadn't sort of put the two things together. 
So I was learning a therapy called block clearance therapy and studying numerology at the same time and doing things with auras and energies and crystals and all that kind of stuff. But I hadn't really joined the dots. Well, you you must have been an early adopter because as far as I'm aware, money coaching in the UK certainly wasn't was even known at that stage. I don't think it was. Well, or very little anyway. Yeah, very, very, very little. Yeah, I mean, of money coaches from the Money Coaching Institute, yeah. I think I was probably about the fourth. Yeah, no, it doesn't. There's another, there's another lady, there's Simone Ganesson, who's yeah, my wife's monkey, and yeah. so she's been going for quite a, for yeah. a long time. And yeah. it was a choice, really, you know, do I do that one or do, do I do yeah. this one? But I just love the spirit. I got the fight. I knew how to do practical money management. Yeah. I didn't need to learn that. And I always, and I was a savvy investor. I was invested in property, etc. So I wanted to know what was going on in the brain. And that yeah. was Deborah's bit, really. Yeah. That was the bit that drew, drew me to that. And it, and I have to say, though, when I, st- when I started working with Deborah, because you have to be coached yourself, so you can't do it unless you've been through the process, I suddenly realized what a terrible relationship with money I had. And what a terrible relationship with money both of us had as a couple. So not only was I trying to learn how to be a money coach, but I was also having the whole of my, all my emotions and feelings around money picked about and had to spread them all out over the table and try and sort sort them out. And so it really was quite a, a difficult time. But Coming through that and actually having been through that myself, I think that's probably made me a better coach to a, to a certain extent. Well, I think when you do anything yourself, you understand the process much uh, better and certainly yeah. you understand what other people are going through. And probably, as you say, with, with regards to a better, if should we say, a relationship with money, it is not about the numbers. The numbers are, are nothing to do with it. It's that emotional relationship that people have and it can be obviously positive or negative and uh, i guess for many people they have negative relationships and this is why they need to get them through that i think i think if i i I put my hand on my heart here and i mirror what deborah says and i don't think there's really any of us that don't doesn't have some kind of unresolved money issue somewhere i think you're right you know and for obviously for some of us money is a lot easier to deal with than for others but it you know it shows itself in so many ways money. i think it touches all aspects of our lives as well it's it's not you know it's if you don't have a good relationship or you don't have sufficient finances to be able to either feel secure or enjoy life it can be quite destructive it's really interesting, actually, because I was I've been doing a series called Lunchtime on LinkedIn, which have been these live these live sessions, and I was talking to a chap the other day who's he's very very grounded with money. Okay. He's very. I would say that he was a perfect. Well, for what I know of him, a real warrior magician, which is the best money types that we can be. I'll talk yeah. about money types yeah. in a minute, but and we I've always called money pound coins yeah my foot soldiers okay good enough. yeah well it's interesting actually because as i've called them my foot soldiers because they've sort of thought right so you have one foot soldier which is great but when you've got 10 
you can call that a little army. And then when you've got a bit more, you can call it a battalion, you know, just because it's an army of people there to help you and protect you. He came on and he, without any kind of prompting from me, he said, I've always called my money my employees. Okay. Which I thought was really interesting. His view, his view is they're my employees, I'm him. the boss, and they work hard for me. Yeah. Me, mine is get as many of them as you can because they protect me. So it comes that's based in fear, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I would put a proper analogy on that. Is it's like having a defense and a, an attack? I don't know if that's right, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But, but you see, but you see, very right? good analogies, aren't they? Yeah, it's interesting though. But if you say it's defense and attack, it's if there's that kind of aggression with it. Yeah. And that, and I, and see, I would, I would want to steer clear of that if I'm putting my money coaching hat yeah. on, because money's an energy, right, which flows in and out of our lives, and we want it to flow through with the least resistance and as positively as possible. Yeah. So when he says money i treat them like employees i love that because it's like a well-oiled company right yeah. and and what do good companies do they solve people's problems they do and, and what what what's your best assets your employees exactly so it really it it was a real surprise to me actually because it was just a really enlightening and i i do know that i still you know none of us are perfect i'm a money coach right yep great but I still have my own issues, but it's about being conscious of them and being aware of them mm. and actually then trying to move past them on a daily basis. Because you, you can't just fix something that's been ingrained in you for 40 odd years, you know? You don't just change it overnight. You have to keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. But you're in a position where you recognize, don't you? You recognize you know, the, the sort of uh, blockers that's in your way and you know how to fix them. So that yeah. in itself must be quite uh, powerful, knowing that you can do that. Yeah, it's like last night, my husband and I, we were looking at a little property that we were thinking of buying. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's become available. It should be a pretty good deal. And, you know, he looks at it now that we can talk perfectly openly about yeah. money, which is brilliant, by the way. You know, we were looking at this, and I, and I, I could very openly sense my approach to it was really cautious his approach to it was like a little bit more you know what's the word i'm looking for so my, he was my, just adventurous adventurous okay adventurous so we have to try and balance those two bits right the two sides and that's what it's all about and that's what a partnership when it comes to money is all about it's a, not only just a partnership of your you and your partner and money but it's about your partnership with money yeah and how you're going to get on with it treat it respect it love it use it allow it to flow resist it hate it it's all of those things that you need it to all comes surely it all comes back as well so whatever whatever you if you like put out with money you're going to get that back I, I would yeah. have thought. I would have thought so. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a really tough, tough thing because it's sometimes it's not that easy to control. It takes a little. It takes work. Yeah. You know, when I'm working with with people one to one, and you, you know, I think you know about the money types that we use at the 
Yeah, it's, I'm trying to think what I did you a quiz. I'm trying to think where I came out as. Oh, you should have told me because I would have got the results out before. We could have yeah. talked about it on the. We could have talked about it on here. <laughs> but uh, for for another time, shall we say? Well, shall I tell your listeners a little bit about? Yes, them? yes, please. They are, because I've seen them and I'm fascinated by them. And I think, as you know, I did look into this a uh, number of years ago, and yeah. um, I was at the crossroads. And for a twist of fate, we say, I probably would be doing the money coaching now. However. What I saw from the the coaching that you you are able to do, like you, I was I'm always fascinated what goes in on in people's heads. Yeah. What what makes them tick, etc. And I think what I've seen, because I did quite a lot of um, research in terms of the the different money coaching uh, options out there, and by far the one that you use through Deborah was the most appealing to me uh, by our own way and part of that was the uh, the different types through the quiz so mm-hmm. yeah by all means uh, share that with you because i think i was fascinated by it by it i'm sure uh, my listeners will be too so what we so the way that it works right is that we've all got different behaviors and traits around money and some of them we recognize and some of them we don't some of them we don't really understand and some of them we shy away from because they make us feel fearful or guilty or shameful or whatever. So the way that the money types work, they're a little bit like archetypes. We've got a group of eight characters, a bunch of eight characters, fictional characters, who all behave very differently around money. They all have different behaviours and traits around money. And the thing to remember, and this is the really important thing, is that we have all of the money types within us. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there are no labels here. What we're saying is, is that you have the capability to display the behaviors and traits of all of the money types. Yeah. I wouldn't say all at the same time. That would be pretty quite no. tricky. Yeah. And the thing to try and recognize is to work out which of the money types taking center stage in your financial life at given situations. So what we say is the money types are not who you are, they're where you are. And the eight money types that we've got, uh, we've got the innocent, which is head in the sand, probably financially dependent, probably says they're rubbish with money, puts a brave smile on their face, but actually is pretty anxious inside and just wish it was all sort of would all just go away. And then we've got the victim who could very well have started off as the innocent, actually. And they sort of gone out and tried to sort things out and things haven't really gone their way and everything bad happens to them and everybody else gets the luck. And they tend to live in that story and, you know, it's all right for everyone else. Oh, it's all right for them, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So they're the victim and quite often become a self-fulfilling prophecy because they say that everything's going to happen and then it generally does, right? You just said about putting out energy. Yeah. And then we've got the warrior who's the money type of action, which is good because they're going to be confident, probably financially successful, and they're going to be wanting to learn about money. But they also like to motivate others around money and they're wise and they're loyal, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So we like the warrior. Then we've got the martyr, which is the money type of service. And it's quite exhausting being the martyr because they're the ones that are always thinking, well, you know, if nobody else does it, I'm just going to have to do it myself. And actually, 
you know, nobody's going to do it as well as I'm going to do it. So if I do allow them to do it, I'll probably get disappointed and a little bit resentful because it won't be done in the way that I want it to be doing. But in the same breath, I'm very good at giving out and doing things for other people, but I'm not very good at receiving because all my boundaries are shot to bits. And quite frankly, being a martyr is quite exhausting. So that's the money type of service. Then you've got the fool, who probably lead a roller coaster of a life. One minute they've got money, next minute they haven't got money. Um, always looking for the next deal. Probably quite a lot of emotional expend spending going out there. <clears throat> but happy-go-lucky, lives for today. But could probably do, well, could definitely do with reining it in a bit and getting a bit of discipline with their spending, etc. And um, just smoothing it all out, really. We yeah. don't want to get rid of full completely, but to live, live, live life in full mode all the time, again, is like a bit treacherous, to be honest. A, money in, a fool and his money are soon parted. There's a good one. Yeah. Then we've got the creator artist, yeah. which is... Love the creator artist, got some lovely sides to it, the spiritual side, spiritual creative side. But the problem with the creator artist is there's quite often a bit of conflict. So they sort of say, oh, money's not really very important to me. But yet they've always got their eye on their Apple, their mate's Apple watch. You know, and they're never sort of thinking, not quite working out where they fit in the world. Yeah. And sort yeah. of thinking, well, you know, no, I should be very careful. I say quite. I find quite a lot of Guardian readers to have quite high creator artists. My husband was a hundred percent creator artist when he did the Money Type quiz, so very detached from money, and I'm not not in a good way. So yeah. he just doesn't sort of want to have anything to do with it, and yet there's still a sort of thought of like you know, not just not quite sure where I fit in the world. So that's the creator artist. Then we've got the tyrant who everything is all about money, 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 money. You can never have enough. You can never be rich enough. You, people love you because you're rich and wealthy and you, you know, you, you splash the cash sometimes, but then you're very secretive other times, but you can also be controlling, manipulative. That's the energy that I used to carry. It's really most unattractive. And the thing about the tyrant is that underneath it all, they have a fear of being abandoned and a fear of being left alone. So they're actually quite sad underneath it all. And then finally, you've got the money magician, who is the um, money type of faith, trust, and balance, who, who will have experienced all of the other money types, but learned that you know when innocence stood out for them, that actually all the answers are within, and it's you don't need to look for everybody else for a magic pill, but you can really sort things out yourself. Oh. Victim. Just let go of the old story, right? Spit out the old gum that just doesn't, yeah. doesn't taste of anything anymore and start moving forward. You can have a fantastic story, but you just don't need to live there. As far as the warrior is concerned, they're great friends with the magician, the martyr. Look, you can't get anywhere until you've filled your own cup up, right? It's much better to help pull people up rather than get down with them. Yeah. Uh, fool. Love a bit of fool. It's great, but rein it in. Yeah, just got to get it balanced. A little bit of balance to just like, because if not, you're going to have a heart attack, right? And then you've got the creator artist, which is great, but just to understand that money is important because the last time we looked, you have to pay for your mortgage and your electricity and your health and your food and all that kind of stuff. And it all costs money and there's no shame in wanting a little bit of money. And then as far as the tyrant's concerned, the, ma the magician learned that you don't have to be rich and be a shiny show-off to be loved and be happy. 
And so everybody wants to be the magician. Everybody wants to be have the warrior. Yeah. Because if you have those two at the helm, then you will be driving your life in a very positive way. And we know that saying from Ayn Rand, the writer. Yeah. She said, money is simply a tool. And it will take you to wherever you wish to go. But it will not replace you as the driver. Very good. Very, very good. So those are the money types. And the thing is, once you can identify which of those money types are running your money show, you can then work on changing it. Because as yeah. Deborah would say, to coin her phrase, when you can name it, you can change it. Uh, absolutely. First thing with any issue or problem is to identify yeah. identify the problem in the first place. And then, you and then pin it, it on someone else, right? Yes. Pin it on one of them, pin it on one of the money types and go, oh my my victim's been out today, feeling right sorry for myself, I am. <laughs> then you can start fixing it. Come on. What, um, get the warrior in, get the magician in. What are you doing sitting in that old story, you silly victim? Come on, let's move on, shall we? Let's dust ourselves down and start again and let's see how we could get moving forward. Out of all the people that you've coached and helped over the years, yeah. is there one which tends to, is it, is it a sort of a, a type uh, that they fall into more often than not or are they all really different? I'm just wondering how many, how many of the, the people that you've had are actually magicians when they come to you, if any. Well, that's a really interesting question. That's a very good question. I would say that, yes, people do come to me with a bit of magician yeah. and with a bit of warrior. Yeah. But they will very likely have a healthy dose of one of the others too. Which is probably a more dominant, but they show signs of the other, should we say, better archetypes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody, we've got to remember that it just depends how long you've allowed your warrior and your magician to sleep, really. And if you know how to wake them up. I've been working with a young lady recently who, and we, she only ever describes herself, but she was describing herself as undisciplined, impulsive, etc. And I was going, right, okay, that's cool. And so when we did her money type quiz, she's mm. coming out with tyrants because she's being self-tyrannical, right? She's absolutely having a go at herself all the time. She's got a nice, healthy victim going on. She's got some warrior too, because she's very good at budgeting. In fact, she's exceptionally good at budgeting. But what happens is at the end of the every month, she tends to overspend. And because she's impulsive and undisciplined, her words, not mine. Yeah. So we sit down with those two words going through the coaching program. And I said, right, so what we're doing today is we're going to look at some of the negative words that you've got. We call it on their money coaching pattern grid. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at some of the words you've got. And I want you to pick three negative words that you would like to just have out of your life. And she picked undisciplined and impulsive. And the last one I think was resentful. So we started going through it and I was going, right, undisciplined. Let's name it. What's going on? She goes, well, and then she went quiet and she goes, actually, I'm not undisciplined, am I? I said, I don't know, are you? Aren't you? And she said, no, I'm not undisciplined at all. And the funny part of it was, is that for all of her life, and she's, she's not that, not that old, she's only in her 20s, but she's had this vision of herself being undisciplined. But actually, when she thought about it, she wasn't. So she'd been living a false belief 
I mean, that's probably one of the clearest examples of a false belief Mm. for so long. See, many people will believe things around money, will have this vision of themselves around money, which can be completely untrue. I'm just wondering sometimes, is it because somebody else has said that to them? You are undisciplined or whatever it is, and then they just believe that in in most aspects of their lives. Absolutely, totally. But on this particular example, it was a case of she was so desperate to not be like somebody else in her life. And part of that was conquering to to be wealthy and getting herself into a situation where she was just being a bit like me, right? Getting herself into a situation where she goes, I don't need anybody else in my life. I'm going to do it all by myself. And which again is warrior. It's over warrior when you're, so defensive that you actually chop people's heads off who are friends not foes you know you go back in just attacking everybody really but her view of it was that she was setting a budget but she was blowing it setting it blowing it setting it blowing it but she was very disciplined with her budget but there was just one particular part of her budget that she wasn't i call it running from a murky pot yeah so she had a certain amount of her money that would go, well, that's the money that I have for these other things. But because she wasn't budgeting that, so it didn't include the trainers or mum's 50th birthday yeah. or something like that, she would then have these unexpected expenses come up that would blow the budget. But she didn't know how to do it. Nobody taught her how to do it. And actually, she was doing a brilliant job. Yeah. But she just needed to tell somebody, to, to, for somebody to tell her yeah, yeah. to get rid of the murky pot. Yeah. And once she got rid of that, her whole demeanour changed. But she, she realised, I'm not undisciplined at all. I've just been almost tricking myself because I didn't have the skills to do what I wanted to do in a full, yeah. fully way, full yeah. way. But you're right. I mean... What our parents tell us and what our peers tell us as small children, you know, if only it sticks, if only I... it sticks and it does, it does yeah. a lot of, it can do a lot of damage and certainly have a, a negative impact in the way that we see ourselves. There's two sides to that, though, isn't there? Yes, either way, you can be, you can be, yes, you can be positive. Well, yeah, as the well. first thing is, is that somebody says something to us. And that's one side of it. Yeah. But the other side of it is how do we receive it? Of course. So we have to we have to learn things from two ways. We have to go, so what that person told you, was it true? I mean, you know, was it, you know, affected you? I, my particular one, my mum would just tell me that I was stupid because I do silly things. And then she would ask me to perform and sit, stand up and sing and dance. Yeah. And the next minute she'd tell me to sit down, shut up and stop showing off. You know, and that feels like that yeah. horrible yeah. feeling, like the headmasters, you just got to wait outside the headmaster's office. But if I look back now, well, when she told me I was stupid, she wasn't. She was embarrassed because I'd done something or broken something in front of somebody else. And it was just her language. And what did her mum tell her? Well, her, she was never parented. So did she actually mean to say that I was really stupid? No. How did I receive that? Like a dagger to the heart. And that's what I live with. So I have two things to learn here. One, the intention was not what I thought it was. And secondly, there is no dagger in my heart. That's just what it feels like. So that's my healing. I'm going to go off at a tangent here because that 
going through your coaching system, I can see how you could become a better parent if you recognize these things. Oh, yeah. And it can make such an impact in terms of children, in terms of feeding them positives, but obviously where they need it. But if you need to correct them in any shape or form, it's done in obviously in the right way, rather than calling somebody stupid or uh, well, disruptive or whatever it might be. It can be done in the right way, but you understand what you need to, to say or do to get the best uh, out of your child. Well, I mean, let's think about it for a minute, right? We don't, we're not taught how to parent. We're not taught no. how to look after our money. We're not really taught very much about relationships. We're supposed to be good at all this kind of stuff. But if you think about, I mean, I, I have to probably confess up and say they're the same to my children. Well, I didn't know about this stuff when I had yeah. my, when the girls were young. You think about those situations, you go, you know, little Johnny's punched little Edward in the face, yeah. right, or something, or given him, you know, stabbed him with the biro or whatever yeah. they do. And you go, you know, and you look at the, what did you do, Johnny? Look what you've done. Look what you've done to poor Edward. Now say sorry. Sorry. No, say sorry like you mean it. Sorry. I mean, it's like, oh my God, when you think about that now, the shame that you're planting in that yeah. child. Yeah. And you can, you know, looking back on those situations, and I do this with clients all the time, is to go back to that time and go, right, let's just, let's unpick it for a minute and let's go through it and look at it through a different lens for a minute. And let's see if we can then let it go and actually just take that, let's take the energy out of it but what we're also going to do is we're going to express it rather than push it down because this is the thing that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Got to let it get out. And you think about when you're telling little Johnny off, right, for stabbing Edward with the byro, he is then told, now go and sit down and be quiet and get on with your work, right? That'd be the next thing. So off he goes and sits down and he's sitting there boiling underneath. He's got all these emotions running around in his chest and in his head and everywhere, probably all through his body. But he's got to just wait for them to simmer down. I mean, we even say it, that we simmer down. And he's going to push all of those emotions down. I call them sweeping them under the carpet, whatever you like. Yeah. And what's then going to happen throughout the rest of his life is he's going to have little situations that are going to come up that are going to trigger that moment again. And he's going to feel those same emotions come up. But again, very likely, he's going to push them back down, put them under the carpet, put them under the carpet. And it's like planting that seed and just allowing those roots to grow and grow and grow. And eventually, you can get to a point where you've shoved it, shoved it under the carpet so many times. I always say, you know, how many times have you shoved this under the carpet? It leaves a lump, you know. And you're going to get to a point that whichever way you turn to walk, you're going to trip over something. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get those lumps out from under the carpet and express them and let them out. And this is why when you get triggered, it's, you know, it's your inner being that's actually asking you to get this out, not push it down. I think it's like all uh, problems you can't hide problems you have to tackle them well hopefully as and when they're arising otherwise they just get worse and worse and worse and they as you say you might have happened many many years ago and it's a deep rooted obstacle that you can't get rid of 
and and you don't know why as you get older uh, why that is that's right because you can't you can't see it and that that's part of the training as a money coach we're, we're trained to look at you know patterns subconscious patterns and try and make some sense out of things and that's why again it's really good using the money types because if you can externalize it it just helps you to take that kind of object that objective view to move you through to coming out the other side to coming out to to learning how to be to wake up your warrior and magician and that's when it's you know it's great and when you do that with couples as well because i work with couples that's really very very rewarding i th- i think obviously i've, I've looked at uh, obviously the, the variations in terms of the types of individuals groups and obviously the business people that you help as well but i think when you come to couples or business partners they've all got different relationships uh, with money and one i think is fantastic that first of all you need to they need to identify what archetypes they are and also how those different archetypes work together to to get the best outcome yeah so but before that though what we need to do is we need to look at because the first job we do as a money coach is look at our money story we have to And, and what does that actually mean though what does that entail so what that means is that the client will basically write their money story and it sounds like a bit of a daunting task it's not and i have to say that every single client i've ever worked with has really enjoyed doing it and it's a wonderful document where you just it doesn't have to be written in a way that you know it's not we're not writing a novel or anything like this it's just it's just noting down little bits of just thoughts and emotions and feelings and just roughly what happened and i i focus on the younger years yeah yeah because the older years you can just you basically just see rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat repeat generally so we start off with the money story to just work out what messages you had what kind of environment you were in i mean there was a study by unicef in 2014 where they got all sorts of scientists and psychologists I say psychopaths, that's not the way. <laughs> Psych- psychiatrists, etc. You know, all these clever people together. And they did these um, tests and they, they worked out that, yes, you very much do inherit stuff from your parents. And yes, the environment that you grow up in totally affects what, how, where, mm-hmm. how you are. And I know this for a fact, right? Because my dad left when I was one, Mr. Perfectly Adequate, by the way. He left when I was one. I didn't really get to know him again until I was about 18. And we are so similar. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm perfectly adequate. I just, yeah, not going to mention that. But anyway, but we are so similar when it comes to money. Really, really fascinating. And, and I've never really met him. So I know that to be true. But it's, we have to look at the money stories because when two people get together, what they don't do is they don't go... So what are your intentions towards me, James? And you go, well, I think you're rather nice. Maybe you should spend some time together. Yes, but first of all, that let's go through our money stories and what your goals and dreams are financially. We just don't do that, do we? Yeah, really? no. So putting, going through our money stories as an individual is good. Doing it as a couple, life-changing. And bear in mind that I call myself a money coach, but I'll be honest with you, by the time we've had session one, most of the problems or the things that we things that come up, money is just a symptom. It's not a problem. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. 
know, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, money, how can money have that much power? Yeah, well, again, in my role, it's, it's slightly different as much that uh, it's, it's not about the money itself. It's about what money can help you uh, do in life. And it's all about choices and freedom. Mm. Uh, if you make the right choices, it'll give you the freedom yeah. to live the life that you want. So. Yeah. About making the right money decisions and actually how to go through that thought process yeah. and actually how to get from A to B without stress yeah. and struggle and fear and anxiety and guilt and shame have you got have you got i'd be interested to know or hear if you've got any obviously not name any names any example where somebody was in a, you know, a pretty uh, bad shape when they came to you in terms of that relationship with money and then after the end of the the, the sort of coaching they've had with you what it meant to them when they come up the other end if you like or have you got you, you probably got lots, but um... yeah, I've got. I mean, I have got lots. It, it's interesting because I think I think nine times out of ten, that the journey that people think they're going to go on ends up being a completely different journey. I mean, I had a lovely couple who have written a review on my on my LinkedIn. I've got some who came to me and both good earners, but constantly overspending. Constantly battling with debt and spending and this and that and that and that. And, and it was, and the thing was that when they start, they loved each other dearly, but when they started talking about money, he sort of took on the powerful thing bit and she would sort of hold her ground for a minute and then she'd sort of shrink off into the background and the conversation would just get left and the whole problem would be pushed into the corner and next month would go and the next month would go and the next month and it was just a recurring problem over and over and over again so <laughs> they they both decided to sign up with me and he was going oh this is great i'm gonna i know that when i take the money type quiz i'm gonna be magician right and he he came out and she actually had almost active magician and his magician was zero <laughs> he was devastated anyway he but he was very heart-centered man and i have to say that most of the men that i do work with start off by being quite heart-centered so mm -hmm. open to sort of well, i'm not going to go woo-woo stuff but yeah. open to sort of open mind emotion a bit you know bit high up on the emotional yeah, intelligence okay. stakes and all that kind of stuff and we just, we just worked through it. And by doing the money map, doing the practical, going through the money stories and both of them, I mean, that's such a moving session when we go through the money stories yeah. and then we do it. One of them reads it and the other one sits there quietly just listening. And it's like, it's very rare that we don't use the box of tissues. And it's what's so fascinating, fascinating about it is that the partner can suddenly see a completely different side to the person that they've been married to for such a long time. And they see, they go, ah, oh, now I see you why you're so, yeah. why you do this or yeah. why I trigger yeah. you when I say this. And it's just a whole part of different understanding. And when you, we have a quote uh, for money coaching, which Deborah introduced us to the money for couples. Yeah. And it's a roomy quote and it says, out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll take, I'll meet you there. Okay. 
So it's about working with two people who are in a, a partnership, money partnership, love partnership, yeah. you know, life partnership. Yeah. And it's not about going, well, you need to be a bit more like them. Well, you need to be a bit more like you. It's taking both of them to a completely new place. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds incredible. Do you yeah. get couples, well, do you get reluctant couples or one of them is reluctant yeah. and doesn't really buy into it or, or are you able to, should we say, convince or, or, or get them into it uh, throughout the process? Well, to be honest, when couples usually call me, they'll probably go, we need some, we would like, we don't want to speak to a financial advisor. We're not ready for that. We need yeah. some advice about where we've got our savings and what we're doing with this, 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 that, and the other. It's usually very much on the practical side. Okay. And I'll then enter into a consultation with them and I'll start talking to them. And you, just through the conversation, et cetera, you suddenly realize, or you, I know, but I'm putting across them and saying, look, you want me to help you to organize your money on a practical level. Yeah. I can sit down with you and go through spreadsheets, use whatever method you want to, to get you so that you're managing your money. But, I'd like to have. I'd like to say that the chances of it working long term are very slim, because the thing is, if you really wanted to manage your money, you would have done it by now. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that's stopping you from managing your money is your mindset, not your ability. You're extremely clever people. You're highly qualified. So, I can teach you how to do that, but that isn't what's stopping you do it. Yeah, so then we start moving into the realms of, so why are we how we are when it comes to money? Yeah. Why is this like this? Why is there a conflict between you perhaps where you're not, you know, she wants to spend and you don't, you know, for her it to go and buy something is like taking a mat off an, 11, an elephant's backside for him. She's broached the walls of the Aladdin's cave, you know, yeah. and it, you know, there's this, I'm not necessarily saying that's the same thing with a him and a her, but but it's this is and this is what happens, and it happens over a period of time. It doesn't just start like this. It just you know it just develops over time. You know it might even develop as their wealth grows. You know as their wealth grows, their mindset shifts, or if somebody's money is diminishing, or if somebody loses their job, all of a sudden the mindset change changes. The number of people in who's have just had this massive identity shift. You know, they've been working in the corporate yeah. job for, say, 20-odd yeah. years, yeah. and all of a sudden they've been made redundant. They've never had to yeah. think about it. She, the, yeah. What housewife's been doing, the, you know, the lady at home has been running the budget and looking after the family and the kids and all this kind of stuff. He's been going off commuting. I know it sounds very old-fashioned, but I'm just using it as an example. And all of a sudden she's running the budget and going, well, hang on a minute, go out to work. And he's sitting there and he's going, oh, my God, I've lost my job and I've been so comfortable in that job. It's just been like going to my other home for all this time. What am I going to do now? I don't feel, yeah. oh, you know, and it's yeah. difficult. But I think we've all, when we're in the corporate world, we've got our home family and we've got our work family. And I think that, you know, when one or the other is, uh, isn't there anymore, it has a huge impact in terms of the way that we uh, feel and think about ourselves and also the way that we live. So I got a couple of interesting sort of changes I've seen over the last uh, 10 months or so is where part of what I do is, uh, is a retirement specialist in terms of financial planning. And, and I've seen it, the two sides of the coin. 
people, because they've experienced uh, lockdown and they've been at home, there's two outcomes I'm seeing at the moment. One is love being at home. Don't want to go back to the corporate world. I want to make my life so I'm more at home, working from home, spending more time with the family, etc. And then you go to the other side of the coin, they don't like it. Or they can't stand it and they want to be back out there. So what it means for me is some wanna, uh, they like the idea of being more at home and perhaps they'll bring their retirement years forward. And then yeah. you do it. I never want to retire. If that's what retirement means, don't want it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, there's so many situations. Yeah. So many situations. I try to be, you know, provide services for everybody across the board. So, what, what, I mean, across the board, in terms of across the board, so who can you help in terms of the services that you provide? Okay, so obviously I've got one-to-one coaching. Yeah. So it's usually a three to six month coaching package. Yeah. You know, it's an investing in yourself and it's quite hefty work, right? I've also got um, my couples coaching package, which is the sort of gold level service. And then I've also got a really lovely online course called Loving Me, Loving My Money, which is for a small group of people yeah. to work together, to work through our mindset and actually gain practical skills and money management. Yeah. I've got something new coming up, which I did want to talk about which is a money, I'm doing a sort of big experiment and it's like a money mission program from sort of crisis to becoming a mastering your money. I haven't even yeah. got the title yet, yeah. but I'm going to be running a, a program for a hundred people who have had their income and their confidence knocked because mm-hmm. of COVID. I don't know if you know the story of Apollo 13, but it was uh, back in 1967, they were going to the moon and they nearly got there and then they had an explosion on board yeah. and they, all they had to take, it was like, oh my God, it's all gone wrong, help, what are we going to do? And actually the mission changed from going to the moon to just let's just get them home, let's get them safe. Yeah. But what was interesting within that, what they had to do is they had to completely take stock of where they were, work together, work openly, really had to sort out their emotions and stay calm and all that kind of stuff. And worked their way back home, they got back home, and then they found out they were actually in a faulty spaceship in the first, in the first place. So I sort of looked at that film and thought, God, that's just so like people's finances. You know, they were on the road to work, everything was going fine, they were sort of running their money life, you know, everything was sort of going okay. And then something like COVID comes along and it's like, boom, yeah. smack to the head. But actually, when you look back at it, were you managing your money in an effective way in the first place? So, and also, were you really dealing with your mindset and all that kind of stuff? So I'm running this program, 100 people, 10-week program, videos to watch. But the piece de resistance is that we have a weekly Zoom call uh, where we all talk, chat, etc. And there's also a WhatsApp group where they can all chat. And I know it works because I've run the small community of Loving Me, Loving My Money. But I've also been in WhatsApp groups of, say, 85, 90 people where we're all supporting each other. And it's great. So I'm going to do it for 100 people and I'm going to charge each person £100. And when are you looking to launch this? I'm going to launch it on, funnily enough, I'm going to launch it on April the 11th, Follow 13 took off. Fantastic. So if anybody's interested in that, let me know. I also deliver workshops. So I deliver workshops to long-term unemployed and people with minor mental health issues. Yeah. Love doing that. I've got a lot of out of the box workshops that I can deliver. 
yeah, I mean, this I've got a little mini couples mini uh, money boot camp, which is just a do-it-yourself couples course, which is obviously for somebody who can't invest in the couples, the one-to-one. Yeah, well, I, th- I think with most of these uh, services, it's, it's to have a range of services that suits all people and all budgets at the end of the day. And it, it could be that, you know, as people progress and, uh, you know, they may want to then go on to the next one next yeah. but it's nice to be able to should we say tear something first yeah. without a huge commitment and then go on to the next one yeah so they, but really financial education should be for everybody so the first step is if somebody needs help just pick up the phone and have a chat with me that's yeah. it we see where we go from that all right and how would they contact you if, uh, if they want to get in touch with you with a name like mine i'm not that difficult <laughs> to find so if you Google Fanny Snay, you will see that I've got my website, which is www.fannysnay.com. I have my private Facebook group, which if you feel like you'd like to join that, is called Loving Me, Loving My Money. And I've got the Fanny Snay Certified Money Coach page. I'm on Instagram. I've got Twitter. I've got a YouTube channel, which would Good. be fantastic for you to subscribe to. Yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I shall put up uh, your links on the show notes. The message is that you can be found on virtually most social uh, media platforms. Yeah. Last question to finish off, which is my uh, favorite question I ask all my guests. Yeah. And the question is, what does wealth mean to you? Feeling fulfilled. I can't think of a better answer. Thank you, Fanny. There you go. That's it. So really grateful for you to spend time today so thank you for sharing your story i've really enjoyed it and i'm sure my listeners will as well and i'd like to wish you uh, the best of luck with everything that you do thank you thanks so much and i really really appreciate you asking me on here thank you very much my pleasure take care thanks for listening to today's episode You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk or my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TT Wealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.